Today's episode is special for a couple of reasons. First, when this show was just an idea, I discussed it somewhat regularly with my friends. Manak was one of the supportive friends who encouraged me to pursue this endeavor, even though I wasn't quite sure where it was going. After the pilot episode was released, she expressed her interest in coming on the show. Most of the time, I tend to ask people or approach them first to be featured here. So it was comforting to have someone who's already interested. The second reason is the topic. My heart is pounding so fast just <laughs> I never thought I would ever mention this topic, uh, let alone bring someone to talk about it and reflect on growing up without a father. I love deep and engaging conversations with people who know me, but Malak's suggestion did catch me off guard. I don't know if you noticed my surprise. I've realized that you were surprised. And to be honest, a lot of people in my life get surprised when I bring up my father. That's because I don't actually talk about him very often. Mm. I mean, I'm not surprised that you want to talk about him because I think we laughed and joked a lot about growing up without a father what mm -hmm. it does to you mm -hmm. I think I was shocked that you're willing to talk about it um, on on a public platform because I don't think even I'm ready to do that so having this is already kind of putting me in the place to do it I told you I'd love to trauma dump to the entire nation <laughs> disclaimer there will be a lot of laughing in this episode Malak is a hilarious person and a renowned pun master. What do you call a fish oh, no. that is wearing a oh, bow tie? No. Uh, a fish in a fishbowl? Sophisticated. Oh my god. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I get, I get this from my dad. He was very good with puns. Humor in general makes such a big part of our connection. Overall, it's a great way to talk or process things that might be deemed taboo or just uncomfortable to talk about. For us, it's easy to rely on humor to discuss the experiences we go through because we lost our fathers at such a young age. And let me be very clear, this doesn't define us. It has influenced and continues to shape our interactions with the world though. From the simple daily matters of life like having a flat tire to seeking government services. There always seems to be space to bring up our fathers. Call your dad to take your car to the garage. Is your father here with you today? Would you like to list your father as your emergency contact? You know, the awkwardness that fills those regular interactions fuels our never-ending depository of inside jokes. Between us, we can laugh comfortably about it and in the same breath, switch to a serious tone and have a deep conversation with no hiccups. We both learned the hard way that not everyone is comfortable with our attempts to navigate the conversation this way, especially when we try to diffuse the awkwardness with humor. Uh, there's always that awkward silence and that look of pity. Yeah. And I was like, it's a joke, laugh for God's sake. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but then I understand that people get uncomfortable because they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And it's what, for me, it was very comfortable to talk to you about it because I knew that um, the, anything that we've said, we've both experienced. We have this shared experience between us. Let me give you some history on my relationship with Melak. In 2015, I met her sister Noor through an academic program abroad. We grew to become good friends and kept in touch throughout the years. And during those years, Melak was a side character in random stories Noor would share, but that's about it. I never met her till about six years later, 
A year into my time in Masqat, Noor reaches out to me and tells me that her sister Malak had just moved into town and asked me to connect with her and help her settle in general. When I took Malak out for coffee, it didn't cross my mind that a friendship would flourish between us, let alone imagine us having this conversation on public radio. But here we are. Prior to this interview, I didn't know the exact details of when and how things unfolded for Malak. She had just turned 10 in September of 2008. Her father, Alayrhama, passed away the following December after three years of battling cancer. The regular occurrence of red tide or allergy bloom in the region is seared into her sensory memory of that day. The smell of washed up dead fish saturated the air in Saham. It was a cold afternoon on a Friday when my mom was helping me study and then she's like, you know what, let's just go outside, it's getting stuffy. And I was like, my mom, it's exam season, like I gotta study. And she's like, you know, just put on your jacket, it's, out, it's cold outside, old. let's go. I know I was a nerd, can you believe it? Yes, I can. <laughs> so we went outside mm-hmm. and then I remember wearing this jacket that was twice my size and I was walking um, in our front yard and my mom, we, we tend to like walk outside around Maghrib time, mm-hmm. um, just to get some fresh air, move our legs and everything. When my sister comes running with the phone ringing and my intuition, there I'm telling you my intuition, Noor hands me the phone. So my sister hands me the phone. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, I look at my phone and I'm like, this is not good news. This is, this is really not good news right now. I knew for that moment that something was up. Um, But technically, when you wake up every day with a sick father dying of cancer, you wonder, is it today? Is today's the day we're going to hear the news? But in that moment, I didn't wonder. I knew it was the day because it didn't feel like it was good news to me. So she brings me the phone and I hand it to my mother. And my uncle was on the phone. He was the one that brought the news to my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom, she heard silence, I'm guessing. Her, the phone was not on speaker, but because I saw the look on her face and it was a look of concern, but a look of, wait, I, know, I think I know what's happening. Um, so when she, was her, when she faced that silence, she just said, he died, right? He's gone. And my uncle said, you should pray for him, it's a Friday. It was thought of as a good thing to pass away on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything just unraveled since then. Everything has not been the same. Permitting oneself to revisit difficult memories can be really hard. I know this firsthand, and I'm sure many people do too. But sitting across the table and hearing Malak revisiting some of her memories was oddly relaxing and almost affirming. For me, revisiting this type of memory tends to be a solo activity, and I think that's what makes it so suffocating. Some things are hard to do on your own, and what better person to try to process things with than someone who went through a similar experience? So I guess it's the act of sharing itself that filled the room with ease and peaceful acknowledgement and it radiated throughout the session as Malak revisited more of her memories. 
I was curious to know if she recalled what was her relationship like with her father while he was alive, if she remembers it at all. I was a daddy's girl, <laughs> spoiled as a brat. Literally, um, I was his little princess. He's never said no to me. I loved spending every waking moment with him. I loved playing with him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, he would. I would always sneak into his bed. My mom always laughed about it because she said I would go into the bedroom to try, like, you know, take a nap or something. And I'd see that there is four feet coming from underneath the blanket. And I <laughs> knew that you were you would sneak into our beds just so you can sleep next to your father. And my mom would always be like trying to chase me out. But my dad would always say, let her be, let her be. And she would always say, you're going to ruin this girl. She's going to grow up to be so spoiled because of you. Guess what, mom? I did turn out to be a great person, despite your doubts. (laughs) It was heartwarming to hear this memory and the way she talked about it. Malak is the youngest of three girls and two half-older brothers. In this recollection, Malak fit the stereotype of Akhir Al-Angud, the youngest kid who tends to be very spoiled by everyone around them. At least back in the day, because I don't see this as a part of the current adult version of Malak, nor did I spot any signs that might indicate that she was that type of kid. So, in the spirit of good journalism, I went to ask her sister Noor if this was true, and she confirmed it to me. I felt the same way I usually feel when I'd see old pictures of people I know, awe, curiosity, and intrigue. I wanted to know more, and she continued to paint a more intimate portrait about her relationship with her dad. Um, my dad and I used to say something that is going to be always my favorite memory of him. Mm-hmm. He loved fish. He loved fish. And I loved fish too. Mm-hmm. And my mom would grill fish for us for lunch. And I always said, Daddy, I love you um, a million fishes. And he said, I love you a million fishes, but they're grilled. So he'd always say, I love you a million fishes. Speaking of fish, speaking of fish, (laughs) what do you call a fish that is wearing a bow tie? Uh, A fish in a fishbowl? Sophisticated. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. I get get this from my dad. He was very good with puns, actually. He's he's the reason I turned out like this. It's his fault. In Arabic or in English? What were his puns like? My dad, his puns were in Arabic for sure. Oh my God, those are lethal. These are a hundred times more lethal than the English ones. But I actually grew up loving dad jokes and I still find them to be absolutely hilarious. I have a love-hate relationship with puns, and she's pretty good at throwing them out of nowhere. So, oh my God, going I mean, back to the fishes, I loved my dad a million fishes. Oh my God. That's how much um, I love seafood, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorite memories with him. Um, I would follow him around everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would try and follow the way that he would sit, the way that he would eat. I just loved observing him. He was my hero. He just, I really looked up to him like he was the strongest man in the universe, that I would always be protected by him. He would go on his little walks and I would follow him with my little legs. It was hard to catch up. He would watch the news and everybody went to bed because it was bedtime for all of us. But I would beg to stay up and watch the news with him. And I pretended like I understood what was happening, but I just wanted to be near him all the time. And this same... um, 
you know, behavior continued even when he was sick with cancer. Because guess what? Mm-hmm. My uncle tells me that he would come visit my dad in the hospital mm-hmm. and he would see that there were four feet in the <laughs> hospital bed. And he said, that's what I knew that you were hiding underneath the blanket just to be near your father. Oh my and goodness. it just continued like that until he passed away. I wanted to be near him all the time. I really felt so much warmth from him. I I'm always going to be forever grateful and thankful for that because I now know what's it like to have that pure, healthy, unconditional love as a child. I always have that to look back to mm-hmm. and I'm very grateful for it. I guess that's the best one can do with the absence of people or things. Reflect on it deeply, understand your relationship to it, and draw a lesson or two. Yeah, Malak didn't have a father past the age of 10, but she has those memories to reflect on and draw on what unconditional love looks like to her, even now. I've always um, envisioned or imagined that my dad was going to be the one teaching me how to drive. Mm. The reality was there was an instructor that was yelling at me all the time. But hey, at least I'm not a terrible driver now. I wanted that yelling to happen by my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just imagined it that, to happen that way. That my dad was going to, you know, take me in his old car and I'm going to complain that it's an old car, mm-hmm. you know, and he's going to say, be grateful, you have a car. <laughs> and he was going to drive me around and I was going to be ridiculously bad at driving. But still, he would be the first person I tell when I get my license. And he would be the person that would go to showrooms with me to the dealerships when I choose my car. And I imagine that he would tell me, why do you want the sports car? You're not going to use it. And I'll say, because I want it. So I'm imagining myself being that type of person Mm -hmm. with my father, even after all these years. I don't know what my relationship with my father would have been like if he was alive. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people ask me, do you think that it was, you know, hikmah? They always say this word, hikmah, that he passed away. Maybe you would not have had the same opportunities. Your life would have been very different. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you were going to have a good relationship with him. I don't know. But I think having imagination about the matter instead of facts to fall back to leaves so much open for me to always wonder about. And it connects me to him in ways I never thought it would before. Because now... He is spiritually a piece of me. And this is when I realized Mm -hmm. that people, when they talk about grieving, they always say, you're going to move on. You're going to move on. Mm -hmm. They tell you that all the time. But what they don't know is that you actually don't move on. You move forward with the person's memories and feelings. You take them with you. They become a piece of who you are. And to me, that is what my father is. My father is me and I am him. We are one person at this time. He's spiritually always with me. I feel guided by him at, at some times. What I like about Malak's candidness is that she does not live in the past by any means, but she found a way to connect with her loss without minimizing her bereavement. Given everything that happened in the past with her dad, I was curious to know where her mom was in the middle of it, since they don't talk too often about him. My mom's eyes would light up when she talks about my dad. To this day, every time I show her a handsome person, (laughs) she's like, eh, your dad was more handsome. (laughs) 
I was like, Mom, do you really love my father so much? She's like, Yes, I'm gonna marry him again in heaven. It's <laughs> like, well, my dad was very lucky to have gotten a wife like you. <laughs> so loyal after all these years. My mom was my dad's caregiver when he was sick with cancer. So I think it was in 2006 when he was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And he started battling cancer for three years, which was longer than any of us have ever expected, including the doctors. All oh. of us were surprised that he lasted for three years. How much did they give him? A year at mm. most. Okay. My father um, immediately went into chemotherapy. He had to go through surgery once or twice, I think. Um, he was not eligible for a liver transplant, unfortunately. So that was not an option. Um, I think that my mom very early on realized that there is no reason to hold on to hope. Like, let's not give the girls like false hope. So she was concerned about you guys? Mostly? She was concerned about us. But, so she was very realistic that your dad is sick, that he's, um, he's struggling at the moment. But she always said, pray to God that he gets better. Pray to God that he gets better. So we spent a lot of our time, those three years, really trying to pray to God and that he's going to get better. But during those three years that my dad was sick, I did not see my mom away from my father. She was his caregiver, so he needed her to be there all the time. At a certain point, I got angry that I lost both my mom and my dad at the same time because she was only giving her attention to my dad, not us. Mm, okay. After her dad passed away, her mom came clear into her memories. She became a single parent whose priority is to give everything to her kids. Malak and her sister Noor habitually mentioned their mom as this force who did her best to provide everything for them. She didn't want them to feel lacking in anything because of their dad's passing. So that meant that she had to work, and I quote Malak, 200 times harder to provide for them in the best way she could. Over the years, Malak and her mom got close in ways she didn't anticipate. She told me how their communication styles grew and shifted as Malak's level of awareness grew and she understood herself better. I asked her to elaborate on that some more. It's smaller instances, such as when you said that, it hurt my feelings. She didn't see it as she was hurting my feelings when that happened, right? Mm -hmm. So having that kind of conversation, I would have never had that with her before. So growing oh, up, okay. I would have never been confronting her and said, when you said that, it hurt my feelings. But now as an adult, I realize that, you know, that's who I am. That's, it means a lot to me. I should probably bring it up, right? So I started doing that more often, kind of getting, re again, reconnecting with my old self, um, being able to be there for myself, you know, so I was able to have conversations with my mom. Having this development in her relationship with her mom was paramount. Being able to express and communicate around their differences gave her the ability and courage to investigate more about the past. I reached out to my brothers and I said, so now that I'm no longer 10, do let me know exactly how my father's death happened, medically speaking because I didn't understand that part. Why didn't he have a liver transplant? Why did he get treatment in so-and-so? Why didn't he try this? You know, now that I'm an adult and I understood that. Mm -hmm. So to them, it was surprising. Like, why am I coming back after all these years to, to understand that? But I've always felt like those were pieces of a puzzle that were missing to make who I am. 
And I needed to know that. I needed that closure. I needed to understand. So I actually went back looking for answers. So did you get those answers? I did. In some cases, in some cases I did. In some cases, I realized that, again, as I said, if you don't know an answer, it's probably fate. Mm. You know, it's probably hikmah. There's something out there bigger than me. I'm not going to understand it and happen for a reason. Right. So that was a good way for me to be able to soften the blow and to understand that I cannot have control over everything in my life, including knowledge of certain events and certain things. And I needed to get comfortable with that. I needed to know that that's okay. I can find closure without answers. Closure happens within myself. I can continue grieving even after all these years. It's not something that ends. There is no expiration date on when you can grieve for a person. Mm -hmm. I did not need to move on. I just needed to move forward. So those were learned lessons that happened in my 20s. It didn't happen earlier. So when I was a teenager and before I went abroad, I don't think I had awareness Mm -hmm. enough to do that. Awareness is a game changer. I still can't get over the thought that so much of how we are as adults is shaped by our early years. Some of these things, like losing a parent, can easily make us feel alien and alone in those experiences till we reach that awareness level that Malak mentions. My own awareness was expanded by discussing those shared feelings with people like Malak because it's easy to keep these parts of ourselves hidden on purpose and sometimes purely out of habit. Yes, I don't bring it up in relationships. Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes my friends would take some time before they know. For me, sometimes I realize I had some friends who would, wouldn't know this about me for years. Yeah, same. Likewise, yeah. for years, they would have no idea no that idea. my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. They just think that I don't speak about him. Until this one time, one of my friends said, I noticed your father is a sensitive topic for you. And I was like, where's the tissue? Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So um, because I have hidden my father in a very special place in my heart, mm-hmm. I sometimes forget to bring him up with other people. And because I don't talk about him with my siblings and my family, that I forget to talk about him completely. He's never away from my Mm. thoughts, but he's just not in my words when I'm speaking to people in public specifically. Wow, that's such such a true idea that I feel sometimes it's really out of habit he's not here so what is there to talk about when that person hasn't been in existence for so long exactly but sometimes when someone says oh tell your dad Mm -hmm. like you know I was having a flat tire situation and I was complaining at work and like oh just tell your father to take it to them and be like I wish but he's just unreachable at the moment (laughs) He's where he is, he's, it's out of service. So <laughs> I'm going to have to bring out the little independent woman in me and take myself to the nearest garage. Yeah. You know, and I just don't want to inconvenience other people, um, especially like my brothers, because I know that they lead very busy lives. So I try not to inconvenience them. I mm-hmm. always try to handle things on my own. That's why I thought that this is, you know, a great chance for me to actually talk about my father. Maybe this is a chance for me to connect with people who have lost a parent. I'm sure. Maybe this is a chance for us all to understand that you don't have to move on. You can move forward with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the fact that I felt um, like, you know, you created the safe space for both of us to share and connect over something. 
because I've never felt this way with other people before, you know? Tissues, so. give me the tissues. <laughs> and her the tissues. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for your, just being so brave and honest and willing to come here. Whether we like to admit it or not, those who passed away do shape our interests, choices, and how we may or may not view the world. But again, this is not something that has to define who we are, nor dictate our present or future. Confronting grief whenever we are ready for it can be quite liberating. At least that's how I feel with every discussion or story I exchange with people like Melak. Here's the funny thing. The editing process wasn't as emotional as I thought it would be. I can't say the same about the recording process and Abdullah can attest to that. There was a time where the mere mention of this topic would give me emotional cramps and I would do my best not to let it show on my face or voice. But as I was working on this episode, I continued to feel a lot of the ease and comfort that Malak brought into the session. It's the sort of feeling that I associate with being at home. And even more comforting is knowing that if I ever lose sight of that feeling for whatever reason, I can always come back to this and listen to it again. I hope this episode and the show in general does something for you. It certainly does for me. I'm a step closer to feeling at home. On the Way Home is brought to you by Oman FM. This show is available for streaming on all podcast platforms. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Fatma Dinari, and you can follow me on Instagram at Fatma's Eyes, F-A-T-E-M-A-S, Eyes, sound engineered by Azam al edited and mixed by Abdullah al Thank you for listening.